Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to bring to you a conversation I had with Eric Tivers, host of the ADHD Rewired podcast, as part of October being ADHD Awareness Month. We are going to talk about ADHD and the ways that hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattentiveness that are all symptoms of that, and how those can wreak havoc on your productivity. But not only that, how to better understand yourself or others with those tendencies, even if you do not have a diagnosis of ADHD. This week, it is my privilege to welcome another Eric to the show, Eric Tivers. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. I'm really happy to be here. So I had to restart and do a couple different weird things, but that should be no surprise because we're going to talk about ADHD. And in fact, your podcast is called uh, the ADHD Rewired Podcast. Although that's probably more words that's actually in the in the show itself. See, it's already kicking in. <laughs> Dang it. Anyway, uh, Keep it in. <laughs> so people that listen to this show should know this by now that like I have this was diagnosed a long time ago. I've had a number of people on to talk about this, including Ryan McRae and more recently, a few weeks ago, uh, Peter Shankman. But I thought having Eric on would make a lot of sense because you can really speak to more of the depth uh, and awareness of the issue. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it'd be, it'd, it'd be nice to have a, yet another flip or perspective on on this issue when it comes to especially when it comes to productivity because that's a lot of what you talk about is specific i mean you do you do a whole podcast on this topic so yeah 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 so i've I've been doing the podcast for over three i started started it in march of 2014 and uh having adhd and uh being able to i'm nearing 200 episodes i've uh, only missed one episode and it was only because i uploaded the wrong file like it was I actually had an episode uh ready to go on the week that i missed but i moved and that uh that can create all other kinds of challenges uh, with adhd because routine and environment is so important for all of us especially when we have adhd 
so for those who maybe haven't listened to previous episodes or who aren't entirely sure what ADHD is, especially in adults, what is it specifically? What's the best way to describe it and or categorize it? There's the sort of the the story version of what it is, which I like to use, but then there's also the clinical definition of what it is, um, which I also like to use because both are really important. Um, you know, starting with more of that clinical definition, there, there's sort of three components to it. It's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, and that encompasses three core features. You have your your hyperactivity, you have your impulsivity. And then you have your symptoms of inattention. And I think that that uh, the, the area of inattention, um, this is often an area that is missed um, with a lot of people and many people who get diagnosed uh, in adulthood um, and are missed as kids. Um, it's because they have the ADHD without the H. And some people call it ADD. Um, Clinically speaking, it's ADHD, predominantly inattentive presentation. I don't write the stuff. I just report <laughs> on it. Um, so there's, and, and, and you know, let me stop you there. So you yeah. are, and you're, by the way, uniquely qualified to speak on this topic on this podcast because you have some credentials in this area. Yes. Uh, besides just having ADHD after my name, I also have uh, LC established. I'm a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, you know, so I have a, a master's degree plus, you know, a bunch of other hours that leads towards clinical supervision and all that. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a therapist in private practice, but I primarily do uh, um, group coaching uh, online. So, you know, my I didn't learn that I had ADHD personally until I almost failed out of college. And, um, and and I think that that part of the education around ADHD is so important because when we understand like what's going on in the brain, it starts to make a lot of sense, right? You know, my my freshman year of college, I my fresh my first semester, I got a two point two, um, which you know, I considering I didn't really open the books, that actually wasn't so bad, but but then my second semester, I. What my parents were threatening to pull me out of school, so I said, "Oh crap! I better uh, open up the books and, and study." And I did, and and I got a one eight. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a huge so improvement. It's, it's, so the, I figured, you know, something's not right, and um, I just happened to, you know, sort of timing and luck. I had a a, a dinner with with someone who I was talking to and uh, and she was telling me that she was recently diagnosed with ADHD and she was telling me about it and it was sort of one of those like big light bulb moments where it's like that's what ADHD is and I remember the one thing that she said and this is so common for for people with ADHD she said you know one of the things that she struggled with was reading and not that she didn't know how to read that she would be reading and then her mind would wander because something she read would trigger a thought. And now she's thinking about that thought while continuing to read. And now that thought triggers two more thoughts and she's continuing to read. Now she just got to the end of a chapter and she has no idea what she read, but she just read the required reading. So she's done. And I remember thinking I could have said those exact words because that was my experience too. Mm. Yeah, I've had similar experiences to that. And um, 
I remember, so my, my sophomore year, I got diagnosed um, at the very beginning of the school year. I was able to convince my parents to give me one more chance. And uh, that's also what tends to be a feature of ADHD is we uh, can be pretty convincing when we are, are uh, passionate about something. Um, so I got one more chance at school. And thank goodness that I did. I went in for an evaluation. And um, my, the, the, the uh, psychiatrist that did the evaluation was surprised that I was never uh, identified in school because, you know, I wasn't really hyperactive, um, but I was kind of off the charts when it came to the inattentive uh, features of ADHD. And these are the things that are, you know, the, the disorganization, the difficulty with details, the difficulty with um, uh, time awareness and time management, um, the difficulty with remembering those things that you need to do and difficulty with like getting yourself to do the work when it's boring. Like, if you're interested in it, like no problem, like focus is great. Yeah. Right. But if it's boring or tedious or you like, you don't really know why you have to do it, you know, it's, it can be sometimes truly impossible to get your brain to activate enough to get that work done. So a lot of what you're talking about right now though, or the, the symptoms that you're listing and explaining mm -hmm. feel familiar probably to a lot of people who don't have ADHD, mm -hmm. partly because maybe they either don't have it or they aren't, or they do have it and they aren't diagnosed. But I want to differentiate those people that have it versus those that do with the disclaimer that we all have these issues. We all struggle with, right. well, if the right. work's not fun, it's kind of hard to like focus on and stay attentive to it kind of a uh, an issue, especially right. with modern day technology, which we don't really have to go into, but we can later if we want to. The issue I'm trying to get at is that it feels almost like if that background noise in your brain, so to speak, for a normal person is, say, a one to a three, depending upon what it is, for someone with ADHD, that's turned up to like six to nine or more. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and the thing that I want to say, because it's um, usually when I hear someone say that, uh, you know, everyone has ADHD. You know, the first thing I do is I take a deep breath. <laughs> <sighs> OK. And, and the reason is because, one, the, when you have ADHD and hear someone say that, it's one, it's really it's uh, invalidating to your experience. But I, I also on the same token. I can understand why someone might say that because, you know, everybody has some of the features that are associated with ADHD sometimes, right? You know, everybody can be forgetful sometimes. Everybody procrastinates sometimes. You know, everyone says something that they probably shouldn't have said sometimes. And this is the key. The ADHD is not a sometimes disorder, right? This impacts every domain of our life, right? And it follows us everywhere. You know, it's not just because we have a, we're in a bad work situation. Uh, and so we're kind of tuning out or we're stressed and, you know, whatever it may be. Like this is, and this doesn't happen just in adulthood, right? Like this is something that is a neurobiological disorder of development. Like the ADHD brain, we can see through functional MRI imaging scans of our brain that the brain actually physiologically is different. So in other words, you can't escape it because it's part of you. Right. And it's, you know, and, and it's frustrating too, because when, and people with, with ADHD often, 
they they wrestle with this this uh, um, issue of well, I don't want to blame it, you know, everything on my ADHD or use it as an excuse, and you know, and I say neither do I, and you shouldn't use it as an excuse, but it is a place to begin with understanding, and I think a difference between understanding that you may have ADHD and using it as an excuse. The difference is, oh, sorry, I'm late. I have ADHD. Like that's an excuse. <laughs> right, right. Right. And it's like, you know, if you're trying to make it as an understanding, um, say, I'm sorry that I, I'm like, I'm, I'm really working on this. There's not, there's no excuse for it. Here's what I'm doing to, to try to make up for it. Yeah. Right. It's it's owning that. Or it's uh, if you have a, a, a friend and they're frustrated with with your lateness, it's if you just tell them to tell you whatever the real time your meeting is, just have convince you that it's 15 minutes before the actual time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. It's so it's in part of this this issue with ADHD is, um, you know, clinically it's referred to as time myopia, which is a fancy way of saying it's you can't see time into the future the way everybody else does. Interesting. That's that's cool. It almost makes it sound like you're a time traveler. <laughs> well, it's more like I'm time blind. <laughs> it yes, is. it's time time blindness, really. But uh, yeah, that's so interesting to me, huh? Right. I mean, and when you, if so, if you're time blind, and here's the thing that the the secret to all of this is the strategies that work really well for people with ADHD also tend to just be awesome productivity strategies. Right. See, and that's the cool thing for anybody who's listening who doesn't have it uh, in the same way that, you know, when Peter Shankman was talking about tapping into the ADHD brain in his new book, he was talking about, you know, hey, if you have it, here's how you cope with it. Here's how you not just cope with it, but like lean into it. It's a superpower. I use it as a superpower, he says. But right. And, and you know, and some people think that. It, yeah, I um, I, I have a different st- uh, take on it. Yeah, I know. I think that the idea of calling AD, ADD or ADHD a gift, um, I think it, you know, a couple things on this. If it's a gift, why is why would insurance companies then reimburse for the treatments that that are helpful for ADHD? <laughs> it's like have fun with your gift. Like we're not paying for that. So that's that's one perspective of it. Two, you know, I think that people with ADHD, but also just like other people. We have gifts, right? We have to learn how to manage it and learn how to work in, you know, I forget who, who uh, phrased it, the zone of genius. Oh, I just read that book or listened to it, I should say. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to give me two seconds. I'll, I will be able to pull it up. It is uh, Gay Hendricks. Okay. Yeah, what was what was his books? The, the Big Leap. The Big Leap is the book. Okay. So, so Gay Hendricks. I, I know this from Cliff Ravenscraft. He's the one who's telling everybody to read this right now. And uh, the book is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And uh, he has in there phrases like the zone of competence, zone of excellence. Cliff's all on about the zone of genius. And there's also something in there called Einstein time, which makes me feel like time blindness a little bit. Anyway. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, so just looking at the the when you have ADHD, like first of all, I think it's way easier to be an adult with ADHD than it is to be a kid with ADHD. Because like, and I think this is an important point. I know that this is mostly for an adult audience, but ADHD is also really genetic. So consider the fact that for listeners, if they're identifying with some of these things and you have kids, mm-hmm. it's you know it's it, it 
it's genetic. I, I thank my dad for my ADHD. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but looking at this idea of, of zone of genius and, 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 and I don't think that, that it is a superpower. I think that there are things that we may be good at because of our outside the box thinking, but some of that is also adaptive, right? Like mm -hmm. if we've struggled with following the rules and doing things in a systematic way, you know, sometimes we, we adapt and sort of figure out our own ways of doing things and, you know, channeled and supported, that could be a, an asset. You know, I, I do pretty well as a business owner. Um, I haven't done so well as an employee, right? So it's yeah. looking at what you're good at and really trying to, um, you know, I, I have a, this this um, belief that when you have ADHD, you have to kind of bend the world to you. And for people that don't have ADHD, that might sound really selfish, right? Like bend the world to you, that's, you know, that's kind of rude, right? But when you have ADHD, it's this idea of, well, just try harder. It's like, you know, when we look at functional MRI scans of people doing sort of boring cognitive tasks and you compare people with ADHD and those without ADHD. You know, when you look at an MRI scan, a functional MRI scan, it shows sort of the brain in, in action. And the, the scans that show a lot of stuff lighting up, that's the brain that's working really hard, right? So when you look at these sort of these boring cognitive tasks that are not inherently interesting, you see all kinds of regions of the brain lighting up and firing when it really shouldn't be. So when you think about, you know, one of the most, I think, shaming words that is used in um, what really is ADHD is calling someone lazy. And it's not only shaming, it's not accurate because the person with ADHD is often working two or three times harder than a person without ADHD. But from a behavioral standpoint, and still we still define it behaviorally based on what we can observe from a behavioral standpoint, it might look like laziness. Right. But it's not, it's not like laziness is not, um, you know, thinking about that task that you need to do every day where it's weighing on you and not being able to get started on that task. That is called executive dysfunction. And that's a part of ADHD. It's, I mean, it really is. If you look at, at the brain's um, you know, our, our brain has, has all these different um, responsibilities, right? And one of our brain's responsibilities is to, to use what's called our executive functions. And this is part, this is our sort of our oldest, uh, I'm sorry, our newest um, um, sort of brain function. This has to do, do in the area of our prefrontal cortex, the latest um, from an evolutionary standpoint, the, the latest developed uh, area of the brain. So our executive functions are those neural cognitive um, uh, things that, that are involved with planning, organizing, uh, task initiation, um, sustaining your, uh, your focus, inhibiting distraction that is not related to your, your focus. Um, those things that are, that are responsible for goal oriented behavior. It's executive function is also, um, part of our emotional self-regulation, right? Cause we need to have a little bit of emotion to, to get ourselves activated to do stuff. Right. And right. often in ADHD, like the stuff that that says, oh, you have to pay this bill. 
I, it doesn't register in, in our brain enough to take action. So these are these executive functions. And um, I, I've heard some people use this idea of a um, a cognitive sort of budget, I, I think the phrase was, where um, this idea that when you use your executive functioning skills and you're in those, those executive function tasks, right, you drain that resource throughout the day. So it's who was it that said – was it uh, Roy Vaden that said uh, um, willpower is not on a will call? Uh, I, he's probably said something close to that for sure. Yeah. But that's – and that's part of the, the issue is willpower you know, is has been incorrectly identified as a character trait. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, not. It is so – it's neurological. Like, neuro, yeah. like willpower – motivation too – is neurological. Yeah, right? th- there's th- so there's um I'm trying to think to w- where I've heard more of this. I know that John Acuff has talked about this a bit mm-hmm. uh, a while ago. Um, it's it's also the secret behind the idea of why, uh, for example, uh, Steve Jobs and the black turtleneck and yep. jeans because you know he wanted to eliminate his decisions so that he could keep them for the most important things. Yes, and it's it's so spot on. I mean, I've been transitioning more to a, I guess you can say a, a, a uniform versus just a wardrobe because I don't want to have to figure out uh, what what goes together because I'm horrible at anyways. Um, so I just want to go okay, long sleeve or short sleeve. That's what I want my options to be. Right. Yeah. Here's 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 my five shirts for the work week. Right. Because those decisions, like your our brain doesn't uh, it doesn't sort of uh, budget. The important decisions and the non-important decisions, it's just it's all the same. So a really weighty decision is can be just as taxing on your brain as lots of really insignificant ones. Yeah, yeah. They all add up. It's like, you know, those pennies, those penny decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if we're talking cognitive budget, those penny decisions add up into dollars, and those dollars add up in, you know, into hundreds right. of dollars. So right. And I, and I do this in so many different ways in my life. You know, it's, it's like from breakfast, I switch off every other day from, uh, it's either protein shake or, uh, oatmeal with fruit and berries, like a high protein oatmeal, right? It's every other day. It's one of those two things. I don't have to think about it. I like them both. They, they're, I get the nutrition that I need, right? Um, even so talk, I think I mentioned before about the idea of like, you have to return someone's call and you're thinking about it and thinking about it. I am Eric, I'm so bad at returning phone calls and, and it's not something I'm happy about with myself. Like it's it's I, I, it makes me feel bad, right? So what I have done when when I was mentioning having to sort of bend the world to, to you around your ADHD, the way I do that with phone calls is when someone calls me and uh, on my business line, the the voicemail message that they are going to hear says something to the tune of please don't leave me a message. But go to my website and schedule a call with me. Because if it's on my calendar, it's yep. done. It'll yep. happen. Yep. I, right? Same thing. Yeah, I've gotten way better with that myself. And so I, I just got tired of having what I refer to as the shoddy thoughts. You know, I should be able to return that call. Right? It's There's something that is hard for, for me to, to do that. Okay. Now, there are people listening right now who are probably scratching their head. Be like, really? Like, it's your business? You can't return that call. And I said, I wish that it wasn't so hard. 
And I know there are probably people listening who are also going, oh, I have the same struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think that, that uh, there are many people who discover ADHD through trying to learn how to be more productive because they're struggling with it. Right. Because in a lot of ways, ADHD is a disorder that impacts our productivity. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. I think we probably described it you know, described or talked about mm-hmm. and given context enough, like now that we've got an understanding, what are the strategies that will work for adults with ADHD and for those that don't have it? Sure. The first thing is we have to assume that we have CRS. Can't remember stuff. Okay. Um, and so if you live by the idea of you, you whatever it is you think you're going to remember, you're not going to, and you write it down, like get key information out of your head. Um, and this is something that, that David Allen and, and getting things done definitely had to write. It's like, don't try to remember things, right? Like, cause it's, it's, even if you can remember it does not mean you should remember it. So capture everything. I think that's one of the, the primary rules to start is remember that you don't remember. Okay. Keeping things in sight is also really important because we are very cued by our environment, which, you know, and and the negative side that leads us down a lot of rabbit holes, right? But if we set our environment up to support us, 
you know, and we have those the the alarms and the notifications and the sticky notes and uh, and all, all those kinds of things that that remind us what do we need to be doing right now. That's going to help us. Like for me, I always ha- I have three screens, uh, computer screens uh, at my desk, and one I always have my calendar open. Right. Because I will forget what I'm doing in the next hour. So I continuously check my calendar. Other strategies, you know, are around self-care, you know, like working late. And I'm <laughs> so here's one of these things <laughs> yes. I'll say right now. Yeah. Like, don't do what I say, not what I do kind of thing. Because last night I was up way too late and I feel it. My brain is a little bit more scattered today. Like I can feel that uh, as we're having this conversation. Right. And so don't try to stay up late to get more work done. It's counterproductive. Uh, and, and Exercise. And, yeah. Well, the, the staying up late thing, real quick, the staying up late thing, like we think – like even I did it last night for like a half hour. I was just like, oh, I got to do this. And it's going to take me – it's going to take me an hour. Or no, it's going to take me – you know, it was a thing where it should have taken me 10, 15 minutes. It took me about a half hour because it was late in the day. And it was, you know, the kids were asleep and I was like, I want to have this done so that when I wake up in the morning, it's already done. And mm-hmm. honestly, and part of it was like looking ahead at the week and, and stuff like that, that I had kind of pushed back uh, over and over again all day just for certain <laughs> reasons. And, uh, and and not a procrastination type thing. It was literally like other stuff came up and I was like, cool, mm-hmm. I'll roll with it. And I am glad that I did it, but I just knew that like. You know what? It's like it. Oh, here's here's exactly the equivalency of it. It was like, okay, I'm hungry now, and I am nowhere near home to eat something healthier slash cheaper. So I'm going to go for the more expensive and less healthy fast food because I have to have something now. Just knowing so that have? that's not going to be normal, you know. So what do you eat? Oh no no no! I didn't eat. I didn't literally. Eat. I was just <laughs> metaphorically, like metaphorically. I was. I, I missed that metaphor turn somewhere. So we're, yeah. we're just metaphor. Okay. So, so this is why you want to sleep more. That, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was giving up. Like I was instead of getting ready for bed and getting myself better sleep, which again in hindsight was would have been the better way to have gone. Mm-hmm. I really did decide and and rightfully so um, decide to stay up uh, or, or postpone my my evening rituals and routines. By about a half hour, even though it should have only taken me 10, 15 minutes to do the thing, it took me longer because it was late in the day and I was tired and I'd already used up so much of my cognitive budget Mm -hmm. and I was just physically tired. But again, I'm glad that I had it done because then this morning I was like, okay, I have momentum and I can keep going faster and and better. So. Mm Yeah, and it's that's honestly it's something that I still struggle with is the getting to bed on time. It's it's one of those things where it's like I know how important it is. Um, a strategy that I actually use um, because as an entrepreneur, um, you know, there's always more to do, right? And so there's that that tendency to to work late. Um, so I I have um, I'm married and I have a son and I, I love my my family. Um, and so I use that as a motivator to get me home. And the way I do that is because I often will uh, work, I work late. And so my uh, son and my wife are already sleeping by the time I get home. And my wife will set an alarm for me at a specific time that if I'm not home in time to shut that alarm off, it is going to wake my family and I am going to be in the doghouse. Oh, 
That's good. And it works because what it does is it activates. It's like <gasps> the bomb is going to go off. Go. Right. And like for me, that's like that's the difference between, oh, I need to be home by nine o'clock or if I'm at home at nine o'clock, it's going to wake my family and that's going to be on me. Right. Mm-hmm. That second version that gets me out of my chair and gets me home. Yeah, that's great to have a built-in like consequence that like, oh gosh, everything's gonna, everything will fall apart if I don't stop and go. <laughs> right, because then the consequence is also more immediate, and that's also a a ADHD strategy because our the ADHD brain does not internalize consequence as well as a non-ADHD brain, which is you know why often we make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Another sort of strategy um, to, to look at is having to do with that idea of time blindness, right? So if you're time blind, we have to, to sort of bypass our sense of time and go right towards seeking time wisdom. And so what I do when I'm working with my clients and I, and I, do, uh, I, I do a pretty intensive group coaching uh, program, it's online, and one of the things that we do throughout this entire group is we look at the tasks that we have to do and make a prediction about how long that task you think will take you and actually write down that prediction and actually track it by setting a timer that goes starts at zero and goes up. So you can really get a sense of how how off you tend to be, right? Because <laughs> Because then you can put on – it's sort of like Google Translator, right? It's like put on your, your ADHD translator, right? So this task that I'm like every part of me thinks this is going to take 20 minutes, like that means it's about a 40-minute task, right? So it's learning to, to sort of adapt that. Then the other thing is having timers and clocks everywhere. You know, this idea of I don't need to wear a watch. I, I have my phone, Right. And when was the last time you took out your phone to check the time? Oh, I got a, a Facebook uh, a message. Now you're looking at that. And the reason you check the t- you're looking to check the time because you need to leave. And now it's 10 minutes past the point that you needed to leave because you got sucked into a rabbit hole online. Yep. That's happened to me. That's what that is. <laughs> that is, though, some people will say, man, why would you want to wear an Apple watch? Because then you'll just get pings on your wrist all the time. It's like, no. I've actually got it dialed way back to where I only get like one or two certain things. And then it's actually a watch that I'm wearing and it tells me the time and actually has timers on it that like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I can say, okay, I have to do this in 20 minutes. And then I tap the 20 minute timer, you know? Yeah. No, it's, and you know, things just like, you know, using things like Siri, right. To, to start a timer, um, you know, anything that you could do that makes something as close to one step, as possible because the more steps that are involved that's involved sequencing right and sequencing is a an executive function and so the you know if we're say we're, we're putting something off or we're having a hard time getting started on something often one of the issues is we don't really know or see what that first step is so breaking things down to the most bite size um uh you know component possible is so helpful Eric, do you ever get uh, what I just referred to as stuck on the couch? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, I, and I, this happens to me sometimes where I'm just stuck. It's like I, I, I refer to it as being stuck in neutral. Like my, my engine's revving, but I'm not going anywhere. Like I know what I got to do, but my brain is just not, not kicking it into gear uh, to get myself going. And 
um, maybe about five or six years ago, I was uh, I was having one of those stuck on the couch moments. Uh, I was actually stuck on the bed, and uh, my I was t- talking with my wife, and I was just telling her I'm like I like I have so much to do, and I'm I'm stuck. I I can't get myself going. And she and she was half joking, but it, it was, turned out to be a really good strategy. She's like, "Okay, lift your right leg." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, right. I can lift my right leg." She's like, "Now lift your left leg," and like that turned out to really work. Like when you're feeling stuck, like okay, so you have to go, you know, do this big project, and you're stuck in the chair. Like, don't think about the big project. Think about what are the actual micro steps to getting yourself off the couch. This is funny because this ties into what we were talking about prior to hitting record, which was that I had literally just switched over to a wire, a different wireless, um, a batteryless, I should say battery uh, Apple keyboard and mouse for my desk situation here. Mm-hmm. And it was because the bat one, I had the open opportunity because I was selling my old computer and I was, uh, throwing in the keyboard and, and mouse to a, a friend of mine. And so I could kind of cover the cost of upgrading, but it was then like, no, I'm going to upgrade because all I have to do is remember plug in a cord. All I have to yeah. do is plug in a cord and those charge, uh, being via lightning cord. Whereas, and that's, and there you go. That's that one step. Whereas <laughs> with the old system, it was take batteries out of keyboard, take batteries out of mouse, put batteries in charger, put charger in wall, leave in wall long enough to charge, then pull the battery and then reverse like three, three to four more steps. And I may seem like I'm making this a crazy thing, but we don't take stock of the fact that the, again, the cognitive bandwidth or how much the strung together minor tasks what one person would call recharging the batteries for your keyboard or mouse, someone else is going to say or have it broke down into this this accordion folder of multiple different steps that they've got to do. It's crazy. Yes, yes. It's uh, and, and even if something like that isn't a struggle for you, understanding that you can get even more cognitive bandwidth by thinking through the things that you do each day. Yes. You know, in a, how do I reduce the steps? How do I reduce decision making? How do I, you know, systemize and automate? Like all those things are going to just create more available resource for you to do more stuff. Totally. Yeah. And see, that's where my mind was for a long time um, prior to even being diagnosed, then when when I was, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to lean into this even more so. And, and you know, the other thing too, and I haven't even mentioned, you know, it's when we look at what what the the evidence based treatment for ADHD is, it does include medication, and um, you know, it's it, and the frontline treatment for ADHD is stimulant medication. And I got to tell you, know, there's a lot of people who who will say, oh, I don't want to do medication, you know, it's uh, you know, I just want to try harder. And to that, I would say you probably all are already trying really, really hard. Um, and what I say, you know, people ask, are you pro or meds or, or anti-meds i'm like i'm pro trying meds because if they can work for you if they can provide some sense of leveling the playing field for you right like why wouldn't you try that right like now there are people who don't have a good response to it 
Although most people do. Um, that's why the, but it's also, it's pills do not teach skills. And when I was in college and I started, and I first started taking uh, medication uh, for my ADHD, well, first of all, you know, when I said at the beginning of the show about reading, right, that was this, I remember this moment. So it was such a pivotal moment in my life. I kind of view my life as pre this moment and post this moment. It was the first time taking medication. And I sat down to read. Uh, I was a, a sociology minor, and I, there was a ton of reading in, in, uh, in these courses. And I was reading this book called Crested Kimono. It was about the Japanese, like, comparative uh, family system. Um, and the fact that I remember that is significant, right? Like, I, this is the first time in my life, a sophomore year in college, that I read an entire chapter of a book, and I knew what I had just read. Like, I stayed focused on what I had just read. And I, I just remember having this moment of, oh my gosh, like if I would have known, you know, growing up that this is what was going on, like my schooling would have been, uh, my life would have been a different story up to that point. Yeah. Right. And so I went from uh, a a year getting a 2.0 to, um, I got a 3.75 that first semester on medication. And um, throughout the rest of my college, I didn't get anything lower than a 3.5. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it, to me, it, I felt normal for the first time. And it's an experience that a lot of people describe, not everyone, but a lot of people describe when they first um, uh, try medication. And, you know, so I would tell people, your listeners, if, you know, if you're resonating with what, what I'm saying here and you're like, oh, that's ADHD. And, you, you know, one of the challenges is, is that unfortunately there's a lot of uh, poorly educated doctors in this area. Right. So you have to really find a specialist because you'll still find professionals who say, I don't believe in ADHD. And it kills me when I hear that because hmm. it's there is more research around ADHD than there is in any other disorder in all of behavioral health. It's yeah. it's kind of insane. Like we think about, oh, we don't know the long term effects to what the stimulant medication does. That's incorrect. Like we've been stimulant medication has been used since the late 19, uh, early 1940s um, when a doctor decided to let's try to treat, you know, these these hyperactive boys with stimulants. And this was in a, a, a hospital and the, the nursing staff there was threatening to, to resign because they thought this was the craziest idea they've ever heard. Within that same day of them taking these kids taking the medication, they were calm. They were focused. They were able to, to do their schoolwork. So we do know the long-term effects of, of these medications, right? And when they're used as directed and followed by a doctor who knows what they're talking about and knows their stuff, like they're safe and effective. And I got to tell you, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation if it were not for this ADHD medication. I still take it today, um, but it does not teach you the skills, like it helps you focus. It's not going to help you figure out what to focus on. Because when I was in college, I was the hardest working, least efficient student there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Eric, it's been t- great talking with you today. Yeah. I want people who really want to dig deeper on this, be either because they have it or because they know they can learn from those that have it. What is it that you talk about on your show? You know, the the core of my show, it's stories science and strategies. I believe very strongly that we need to bring a, a, an empirical 
evidence research based message because there's a lot of snake oil out there around ADHD. But I also know how boring that could be for most people, right? So I dress that up in people's stories and I invite people on on the, my show to tell their story. So I have everyday people with ADHD. I also have a lot of experts, uh, you know, from coaches to clinicians to to some of the the premier research experts um, in in the field. So it's a I think it's a very accessible uh, show. It's very casual. Um, it, it runs it runs the mill. There's it's this is what ADHD sounds like. You'll hear tangents, you'll hear interruptions, um, but I think you'll also hear that you're not alone. And I think that's what so many people have have, uh, have shared with me, which is such a motivating uh, thing for me to keep going, is that uh, you know people who thought that they were the only ones who thought this way or struggled this way, um, they realize that that they're not alone. And that, you know, I, I think when it comes down to it. That's what we all crave is that sense of belonging, knowing that we're not alone, um, because when you feel like you're the only one struggling with this, you know, the the, the shame that we go through. Um, and I, if you're, any of your listeners are familiar with Brene Brown, like I talk a lot about her work um, on the show and, and the, the importance of separating things like uh, productivity from our self-worth, um, dealing with perfectionism, um, you know, and, and, and these are things that people share very vulnerably um, on, on my podcast, ADHD Rewired. Um, and so it's, it's a chance for people to really tune in to hear and, and tap into a community um, where they feel understood. And it's a very growth minded. So it's not just, let's just all complain about our problems and how much it sucks to return phone calls, right? <laughs> it's okay. Like, yes, it's hard to return phone calls. Hey, what are you doing? What, what's helping you? Right? So I think hearing the me too with a growth minded, um, uh, approach is really what we do in the podcast. Um, and, uh, and I have a whole online community um, on, on Facebook. And then I also have online coaching groups that, that we do about three times a year that are really uh, intense and uh, are, have really become kind of my, my bread and butter for, for how I work, right? Like I, I shifted from being a, ther- a traditional therapist where I see clients in my office to really doing this group coaching uh, three times a week. I get I pair people with accountability partners. Um, and that's another piece of, of strategies around ADHD is – we got to have accountability. So that's all ADHD rewired. It's uh, it's the coaching and the podcast, the community. That's what it is. And where can people find it? And they can find it the same place uh, you found this podcast. So your your podcast, uh, you know, Apple Podcast. Um, come over to my website, ADHDrewired.com. I can learn more about my coaching services, about the podcast. Um, I have show notes there. Um, they can learn more about everything there. So uh, definitely, I'd love to have you as a listener if you are interested in this. And uh, and Eric, thanks so much for for having me on and let me uh, talk with your audience um, about ADHD. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So I hope you're walking away from this episode with a deeper or better understanding of ADHD and the people around you that may have it, or honestly, just that extra added dimension of impulsivity and inattentiveness and even hyperactivity that also come along with or are exacerbated by symptom-wise our technology and our devices. I urge you to check out Eric's podcast, the ADHD Rewired podcast. You can find that in any podcast directory of choice that you use. I'd also like to say thank you to the sponsors for this episode, 
Formstack. Make sure to go to formstack.com slash beyond for a free trial and to receive a promo code for 25% off your first three months. ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter if you are hiring over at ziprecruiter.com slash beyond. And BarkBox. If you have a dog in your life, whether it's yours or someone you know and you're very fond of it, get an extra month free with your 6-12 to 12 month plan by going to BarkBox.com slash beyond. Thanks again for listening. If you know of someone who would benefit from listening to this episode, make sure to share it with them. And with that, I will see you next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.